Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey guys, welcome to Steel Wars. I am comedian Steel Saunders and I do love Star Wars. Please enjoy this classic clip, which is available in full at patreon.com forward slash Steel Wars. I always marvel at how much a lucky accident Star Wars was. Mm-hmm. That it actually, like, there was so many things that it almost didn't happen. Yeah, is that is that incredible to you? That it like is just sort of like a series of happy accidents and almost like things like um, you know, like Tatooine, the set the setbacks that made it smaller mm-hmm. also like helped it in a way have that magic look. I think that's the filmmaking process. I think filmmaking is you have these beautiful dreams and the first day of production is when you start, you know, ripping up your storyboards and make, settling on your dreams and trying to make do with what you have. There was actually a great interview with Coppola who basically saying the same exact thing. Every day he walks up on set, he's going to go, well, half my stuff I was expecting to have is not there, so hopefully I can survive the day and get something decent. And, and that's the history of Star Wars, you know? You know? What is it like? They got their sets blown down, like, you know, after the first day of production? Yeah, I think both times when they were in Tunisia, like in, like for Star Wars in whenever that would have been, 75 or 76, Mm -hmm. and then when they went back for Phantom Menace, there was like a really big storm, Mm -hmm. and George Lucas took it as a, like a a positive omen. Right, that's funny. I guess that's what you got to do. And and, and some people would argue it was not a positive omen, but Mm -hmm. that's to them. But let's go back, and what is your first memory of Star Wars? Uh, my first memory of Star Wars literally sitting in a theater with a bunch of other kids waiting for the lights to go down and then having lights go down and seeing the titles come up and being blown away by their Imperial cruiser coming in overhead. And that's when I decided, much to my mother's regret, that I was not going to be a doctor, but I was going to end up in filmmaking. <laughs> I decided I wasn't going to be a doctor when I realized I'd have to see inside people right. and blood. And they're usually pretty miserable to see you too. You know, Nobody wants to see their doctor. I didn't even think about that, but when I was little, it, when I, it occurred to me that you'd have to see blood and cuts and stuff, mm-hmm. I knew in like I knew in my soul that I was not built for such thing. Yeah. Which when Jacqueline and I went to donate blood a couple of years ago, and I ended up on the ground getting fanned. Mm-hmm. At the th- when they started telling me what was going to happen, and they've just like gone, "Oh, do you need a glass of water?" <laughs> so. That's when I got into podcasting. But what got? How old were you at the time? Uh, I actually don't remember. Just a kid. Yeah. But what? Do you remember what dragged you into the cinema? Like what got you in there? Nope. It's almost like I remember. I don't remember anything before Star Wars, but then I remember everything after Star Wars. I remember getting all the toys, all the T-shirts, all the stupid things, making Darth Vader costumes for Halloween, getting eight millimeter prints of the movies. You know, like getting. I bought a Darth Vader helmet, a stormtrooper. 
trooper helmet. I was making Star Wars cutouts, you know, like like my own little figurines, and you know, making stories with them and stuff like that. So uh, you know, and basically my social life went to zero because I was the biggest geek in the world in my town. <laughs> <laughs> and who was your guy in Star Wars? Like what character? Oh, uh, Luke Skywalker. You know, as a kid, it's always Luke Skywalker. Not always. Really? It is for me. Mm-hmm. I'm Luke Skywalker through and through, but I get a lot of hand solos. I think it's either or. Really? Yeah. Is there an age difference between when people think they're hand solos and uh, Luke Skywalker? I think there is. And sometimes there's a, a difference where they are in the family. Right, right. You mentioned that before. That's really fascinating. Where were you? I'm an only child. Oh, that is Luke Skywalker. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Except Luke didn't get to have all the Christmas presents, which I did. So that's, that's the nice thing about being an own child. Ah, oh, yeah. What, 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 what did you have? What, what toys did you have? Uh, after Star Wars, they were all Star Wars toys. Yeah. But what ones? Uh, the plastic Millennium Falcon, you know, all the different helmets, uh, plastic lightsabers, I mean, the magazines, the posters, I mean, you name it, you know, I had it. Were you a a loser of things? Like, I had, I, I, I felt like I would lose the weapons before it was, like, just instantly I'd lose stuff. But then well, I've, I've, I've bought collections off people, and I can't believe they've got, like, they've still got the boxes, like, they've played with it but then every like I bought a collection off a guy once and he said oh yeah every night I put them back in the boxes mm-hmm. and stuff and I was like what sort of kid were you well you know according to everybody in the neighborhood I was definitely a loser but not of things <laughs> you know <laughs> if you're a kid if you're to Star Wars nobody you know respects you but you know yeah I, you go up and doing greater things because of that stuff it was I remember like in Melbourne there's this um, sort of I guess You'd say like a like a Silver Lake type area called Paran, mm-hmm. and you know there's a lot of cool record shops and stuff. And we used to go up there because there was a skate park in Paran uh, when we were like you know about 16. And I remember going into a collectible shop which I'd never been in before because my friend said, "Oh, there's this shop that sells Star Wars figures," mm-hmm. and that to me in like the early 90s was just why would anyone want like like you just wouldn't think they'd be worth anything mm-hmm. and you know go in there and they had all the the figures with the weapons and stuff and they were worth stuff mm-hmm. and it was just it blew my mind that you could like get your figure like have toys out on a shelf right. and it would look cool it was it definitely changed the decor of my yeah. uh I threw out, in other words, you're telling me I threw out a lot of money over the years as a kid, <laughs> throwing out this figure, doing throwing out that stuff. Yeah, I never threw anything out, but I'm sure in our we had a sand pit out the back of our house, and I feel like. And now there's actually, my parents built a, a bedroom on top of it, but underneath, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of figures buried underneath there. Mm. There's a lot of sabers, there's a lot of capes. A lot of stories. Yeah. Um, and out of the, which is your favorite of the films? The original. OG. It is by far the most classic myth, you know, that they did in Star Wars. What do you think would happen if they never made a sequel? How do you think Star Wars would be viewed upon? That they never made a sequel to the original one? Yeah. I think it would still be a phenomenally influential film. I think all the other, all of Star Wars derives from the first movie and rides on its coattails. You know, like the if you look at the Godfathers, the uh, the second film is as powerful and better than the first one. But for Star Wars, it's really the first one. Have you watched the that long edit of The Godfather, the seven-hour one? Yeah. Do you like it? Yeah. 
You know, it's not a movie you kind of sit there and like, you know, sit, sit at the edge of your seat. You're just enjoying the ambiance and the whole world. They've got on um, on Qantas when it's a 14-hour flight and they've got the first two Godfathers. <laughs> That's funny. I've watched it like... <laughs> So many wow, times. It's brilliant. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. But yeah, I want to watch that seven-hour edit. You know, it, it, to answer your question, it's like when Star Wars came out, it was so radically different from anything prior to it and different. And, and people really don't give look as much credit for that as what he accomplished. That it established everything. So nothing of Star Wars would exist without uh, those first initial crazy-ass gambles. And as you're saying, like things barely... Ha- you know, if, if Star Wars, which barely got made and barely got finished, if any one of those things went wrong and it tanked the sh- that first movie, nothing would exist. It's amazing. Yeah. It's weird, though, that it was so different, yet at the same time it was so the same. Like, mm-hmm. that it... Like it grabbed all parts of great, you know. The you know, if you're a ten year old boy, your favorite thing out of all films, and made you know, there was like samurais, there was cowboys and Indians, um, you know, there was an army, you know, dog fights and stuff, and they like jammed it in the one movie and put it in space. Like it had all like the components of all these great genres of film. It, it really did, but it also did a lot of genre crashing, which I think a lot of people don't appreciate now because they just kind of assume that's the way things are, but they weren't before. But if you look at Star Wars, there was really a genre crash between a Buck Rogers sci-fi film and at the same time a medieval fantasy, you know, with princesses and et cetera, and at the same time a Japanese samurai flick. I mean, and so like right now, if you went into studio and, and you took three totally crazy genres like that and you put them together, they'd go like, what the hell are you thinking? And it'd kick you right out. But yet Lucas had the cloud at that point to do it and pull, and pull it off. And then to do it in such a way that just feels seamless is amazing. Oh, and on top of that, John crashing Joseph Campbell's mm. whole mythology into that. You have like 10 different pieces which seamlessly put together as if they were always meant to be. And that is just phenomenal. I always marvel at like Avatar, which is like the biggest film of all time. Mm-hmm. And it's a bit of a, a thing where it grabs, you know, a lot of like classic stories and puts it together as well. Or grabs Pocahontas. Yeah. And it's got almost zero cultural significance. Like, mm-hmm. I don't I don't know of a quote. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know of any pop culture, how it's, like, ingested. Like, and it's so weird that it's the biggest film of all time. Why mm-hmm. do you think that is? I think, you know, I heard an interesting theory is that if you're creating movies about really innovative new worlds... You can't have new innovative stories and things which are hard to grasp at the same time because then the audience, while watching it, gets totally lost. It's like, what am I supposed to be paying attention to? And so, like with Avatar, uh, it's such a expected story and such you know classic characters that you really get to enjoy the world and you get sucked into the world rather than trying to figure out who's who, who's the good guy, who's the bad guy. And that's probably why it made Avatar such a massive hit was because it was such an innovative 3D world that you've never seen before, but you, you were comfortably taken along in, by a very comfortable, predictable story. So how do you mean that because of the amazing world, you couldn't focus on the story? Is that what you mean? Right. Because you're either like either really trying to understand the story and the characters and emotions and stuff like that, or you're really enjoying the world. 
you know, like, I think one of, th- it was actually told about Star Wars, because like Star Wars was, as you mentioned, a story where you get plumped, in, plunked, dropped into the middle of it, and you're just there. But if you dropped into the middle of it, and at the same time, you had to figure out who's this character, what is it, what's the position in their society, what the, et cetera, you wouldn't be able to pay attention to any of this stuff which is going on. Mm. But the moment you put into Star Wars, and you go, she's a princess, you go, oh, I get it. And second later, you're looking at the background, you're enjoying the stars, et cetera. Oh, he's a big black guy in a costume. He's obviously the evil guy. So the next second, you can get into what he's wearing, all the other equipment. So it allows you to really absorb much more of the world. Yeah, I always love in Star Wars how it's also quite mundane. Mm-hmm. Like there's segments like, you know, when they're just having breakfast with mm-hmm. his auntie and uncle. And it's like, it's quite boring. Right. But it's, there's just slightly different things. That's why I thought it was quite brilliant in The Force Awakens when Ray makes a little puff up bread. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's quite a mundane thing. But there's well, like a it, little twist. It's 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 grounding. It's yeah. like an all great sci-fi fantasy. You try to put in little things that ground you, the audience into some type of reality that they can uh, understand. You know, it's like the classic example is when the dinosaurs are introduced in Jurassic Park. What Spielberg does does is that he introduces the um, the T Rex by the little vibrations in a cup of coffee. Because we all can relate to a cup of coffee and seeing those little waves. And so we're relating. That's real to us. You know, rather than suddenly somebody looks up and, oh, my God, there's this, you know, CGI T-Rex. And you're like, what the hell is this? You, you kind of get it because of the little cup of coffee. And that's why these great things have, you know, great fantasy films, the good ones have the little breakfast scene, the little things like that. You know, Alien starts off with the guys having breakfast. Ah, it does too. Right. But never going to the toilet. Never going to the toilet. And then they have dinner later on. In Alien? Yeah. That's when the chestburster comes up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? In Psycho, the woman gets killed in a shower in a very relatable, vulnerable area. So that's classic filmmaking, is you take something really dramatic and outworldly and put it into most relatable thing. I mean, Exorcist is a little tiny, you know, a 12-year-old girl at home in her bedroom. To hear the full episode, along with hundreds of hours of bonus content, I would invite you to check out the Steel Wars Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Steel Wars. For just $3 a month, you get a dedicated RSS feed that easily pastes into any podcast app you use, sending the complete archives of Steel Wars episodes along with bonus Patreon exclusives like movie commentaries, Q&As and shows like the Making Steel Wars show which I make exclusively for Patreon members with Jason Ward of MakingStarWars.net where we try to find the news behind the news. Plus, you'll get the bonus segments from the call-in shows which sometimes can be over an hour. And as well as all the bonus content, you get that warm glow that you are supporting this show you listen to each week. The idea behind Patreon is if lots of people chip in a little bit of cash, that content producers such as myself can still keep producing for you guys while still being able to feed our very cute Ewok-looking cats. There's a hungry cat involved in this, guys as well as some sweet, sweet content. Check out all the super fun tiers and all the shows you're missing out on at 
patreon.com forward slash steel wars. And may that force be with you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.